You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Hi there, welcome to the show. Friday, February the 11th, lovely, beautiful, sunny morning here in TW11. Not going to last, I don't think, deep into the weekend for Betfair Super Saturday. And with that in mind, I'll be talking to Joe Tizard later in the show, not just about Betfair Hurdle market leader JPR1, but also his grand old stage and Native River, who'll be parading for the crowd at Newbury tomorrow. And it looks a fantastic day's racing. More of that later in the show. Also be reflecting on last night's Eclipse Awards and hearing from Steve Asmussen about whether Echo Zulu, the champion two-year old filly might join the Colts on the Triple Crown Trail in 2022, which would be pretty exciting. James Willoughby today is nothing if not comprehensive in a round-the-world tour, asking how important the big spring races, the Saudi Cup and Dubai World Cup, are going to be in shaping the rest of the international season. But first of all, very busy 24 hours for the British Horse Racing Authority with their reaction to the Freddie Talitsky case that we brought you before Christmas, with the publication of the reasons for the, the banning of the two in the Newcastle Nobbling affair. And first of all, as I welcome in Cornelius Lysett, um, some welcome news from Chris Philp MP, the minister responsible for the gambling review, who gave racing quite an endorsement in Parliament yesterday. Just to take a, a look at what Chris Philp uh, said, he's a, a newish uh, minister in the, well, dealing with gambling in the DCMS. Uh, there was a reshuffle in September. Uh, And he was answering questions in the House of Commons and concerns were again raised about the usual and the the important suspects in terms of uh, the effect, possible changes to gambling regulation in Britain uh, to to, uh, address problem gambling, the the potential um, difficulties that racing could find itself in as a, a result of all this and affordability checks are often mentioned, and potential restrictions on advertising. He acknowledged the importance of racing. He said he didn't want to undermine the sport or its finances. He spoke of proper impact assessments being made. Skeptics will say, well, politicians can say what they like, but this is the floor of the House of Commons. So um, these type of uh, words, if you go back on them, uh, can come back to haunt you. Uh, and I think, in a way, the most significant uh, expression he came out, or the, the one that will get racing really excited, was this uh, phrase during these uh, answers, describing racing as a significant source of national pride and prestige. Now, there'll there be those, uh, Cornelius, at the BHA that will be claiming a little mini victory here for their for their lobbying efforts, and, and perhaps justifiably so. The MP who, who asked the question, colourful MP, Staffordshire MP, Andrew Bridgen, has written a piece on Conservative Home, quite detailing quite a lot about his thoughts on on the gambling review and gambling legislation. So it's clearly something he's, he's taking an interest in. Um, what about the BHA's response yesterday? Julie Harrington, she put out this uh, statement and uh, the second paragraph 
In my discussions with the Minister, I have emphasised that British Racing fully supports the review's objectives as far as problem gambling are concerned, but it must be evidence-based in reducing gambling-related harm and avoid damaging unintended consequences. Uh, And uh, I think Julie Harrington sees it as a significant uh, plus, and she's probably in need of a few significant pluses. Um, She takes a lot of stick for being invisible and or ineffective. But as a professional sports administrator, she was at cycling before racing, uh, as opposed to a racing aficionado. This is an area where she can really grab hold of the of the mood music, which seems to be positive, and run forward with it to mix all sorts of metaphors with that expression. You mentioned that Julie Harrington's in-tray is, is pretty full, Cornelius. <laughs> we ought to follow up this 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 Newcastle case because the written reasons have been published for the 10-year suspensions for the two individuals who were uh, found to have nobbled, got at, doped to make slower, um, a horse called Ladies First at Newcastle in 2018. Discussed this extensively with Chris Cook on yesterday's podcast. So you know the detail of it. The written reasons have come out. Have the written reasons given us uh, any answers? And, and are we still awaiting comment from the BHA and ARC on this? Well, we're, we're certainly awaiting comment, specific comment from the British Horse Racing Authority um, and from, from ARC, the owners of Newcastle. You mentioned Dick Francis on the podcast yesterday when talking about nobbling and got at, et cetera, et cetera. My goodness, reading uh, reading through all this, there is more than just a whiff of Dick Francis or indeed his son Felix, who, who writes the books now. You know, before just a couple of bits of detail that really uh, struck me, um, uh, that one of the the uh, the people up before the the beak on all this, Neil Neil Waggett, uh, uh, I just I, I love this description. Apparently broke down and sobbed when interviewed by a BHA investigator. Then he lifted his head to reveal no sign of tears. CCT evidence. Um, Waggett carrying a hammer when he went round the stables at Newcastle as a prop uh, in attempt to demonstrate, if necessary, that he was a, a handyman. Uh, dramatic stuff, but also very serious. Uh, and um, in uh, in their words, the panel says there is no mitigation to uh, all of this. Admittedly, uh, the two accused uh, didn't, uh, or Neil Waggett and Stephen Walker uh, didn't didn't cooperate. So therefore, uh, I suppose they they couldn't offer any mitigation. But um, no mitigation uh, was offered. Uh, you, you talked. You and Chris Cook were talking on the pod yesterday about the sentence. Uh, and uh, the maximum penalty for the drug administration is 10 years. So that's why it wasn't life. And maximum penalty uh, for uh, lack of cooperation is three years. Uh, as we said, no comment from the authority or from ARC uh, in this uh, judgment. The panel talks about security arrangements at Newcastle being wholly inadequate. Well, ARC will want to address that, I imagine. And the panel invited the authority to rigorously inspect uh, Newcastle uh, as well. So uh, BHA will want to respond to that. There is just so much about this we we don't know about, uh, about which trainers, owners, jockeys, stable staff, punters uh, will all need uh, assurances. Can it really have just been uh, one horse, uh, ladies first trained by Mick Easterby, uh, and probably a second horse called Victoriano trained by Archie Watson, can it just have been those two? Um, wh- why did it happen? Who has profited? Why is the police uh, not involved? And I, I thought this was interesting, actually, uh, in terms of the part of the of the 
words that the panel came up with relating to why it had taken so long. This took place in September 2018 uh, and uh, was concluded in January 2022. So why did it take so long? And in in um, discussing that, uh, it says in its findings, Louis Weston, uh, who presented the case for the BHA, um, informed the panel that a further and wider investigation arising out of the present matter was pursued by the BHA. Uh, it became a much wider case inquiry, although apparently inconclusive in the end. Mr. Weston told the panel he'd seen the papers of a potentially bigger case, which was investigated at some length and in some detail. Uh, uh, we accept from him that this is so. And then it, it I think this just asked more questions. Uh, it says, um, on the little knowledge that the panel has gleaned from Messrs. Waggett and Walker, it would not come as a complete surprise to learn that others were involved in the planning of these events on the 21st of September 2018. However, there was no evidence before the panel to that effect. Well, if I was a regular at Newcastle, as a, uh, uh, at that uh, regular punter or owner or trainer or jockey or member of stable staff at Newcastle at that time, you know, that doesn't that sound to me like a, a big can of worms that has just opened? Cornelius, the BHA have also issued a statement in response to the High Court's decision to award Freddie Talitsky damages in the case that we talked about uh, extensively mm. before Christmas. That was the, the negligence case against Graham Gibbons, which Talitsky won. What have the BHA said? So we've had the response uh, from uh, this. It's 12 paragraphs, including an introduction. Um, I think it, it might leave um, the authority vulnerable to accusations that it's it's out of touch and its attitude is, look, we, you should all run along because everything's absolutely fine. You'll remember when Freddie Tillitsky won this uh, case in the High Court against Graham Gibbons, there was talk of negligent riding, of reckless disregard by Gibbons, and there were other observation by, observations by the judge about the stewards and the system. So in response, there's a, a big mention of um, significant advances in stewarding uh, since the incident took place at Kempton. Uh, answering, says the uh, BHA, uh, points raised by the judge. There's a big mention of a review of sanctions, which is uh, taking place. There's a big mention of saliva testing introduced alongside other testing for drugs in 2019. And that should reassure potential insurers because clearly insurance is a big issue. What's not adjourned? Uh, nothing about why the stewards' inquiry wasn't adjourned on the day, though the judge did concede uh, in the High Court that uh, they were uh, they were high pressure times for the stewards. There is no response um, to the expert witness, uh, a long serving steward, Charlie Lane, still serving uh, as a BHA steward according to his LinkedIn profile. Uh, no response to him telling the court he still believed that the interference that caused the fall was was an accident. Well. You know, they've talked about significant advances, but they haven't addressed what Charlie Lane said there. There's no addre uh, addressing of evidence that alcohol was smelt on the breath of Graham Gibbons on the day or indeed speculation at the time uh, about Gibbons and alcohol. And um, in response to concerns about jockeys not being inclined to, to rock the boat when they go into stewards' inquiries, I dare say eyebrows will be raised that the authority believes, according to this um, response that the evidence given by jockeys is just one piece of the evidence jigsaw. So it seems to be saying, basically, we don't mind if they keep their heads down in inquiries uh, when um, they've got colleagues alongside them. Um, I think the aforementioned Chris Cook uh, says, 
in the Racing Post today. Uh, there's an odds-on favourite obliging. BHA saying, don't worry, there's, everything's okay. Big day for the Tizards, Betfair Super Saturday, particularly with a, a big runner in the feature race, the richest handicap hurdle in Europe, the Newbury Betfair Hurdle. Um, JPR1, uh, Joe, is not a horse that people know an awful lot about at the moment. Do you think we'll be knowing an awful lot more about him come 3.38 tomorrow afternoon? Well, I hope so. Um, you know, he's, he's a horse that has always been very sharp since he joined us last spring. Um, he never ran in, a, in an Irish point-to-point, but he was ready to when he came to us. Um, and then I don't think I could have found a hotter novice hurdle to start him in, and he and he went and he went and did the business. Um, I'm not quite sure how he got beat at Cheltenham. He looked like looked to me everywhere he was going to win. Just got chinned on the line, one of those things. But um, you know he's a he's a beautiful young horse. He's very athletic, um, very streetwise as well. You know the field's cut up, but I wasn't I wasn't worried if it was going to be twenty odd runners to be honest because he's he's very streetwise. Um, Novice have got a great record in this race, and you know we just thought we'd 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 have a go. I'm sure he won't be a 130 rated horse um, in the future. Whether whether this is whether he's quite good enough now, we'll see. But um, I think he deserves to be at the top of the betting and or near the top of the betting, and I think he deserves to take his chance. When did you have the idea to run in this race? What prompted it? Because it's not it's not necessarily an obvious move, even if novices have got a good record in it. No, and it's not so, it's not a route that we necessarily take, but it's um you know we just we just discussed it over after after Cheltenham and into the new year, um we we sort of discussed it, and he, he's just very streetwise, you know he's he's a lovely he's got a lovely way of travelling through a race, and he jumps well, so um he's he's not a baby novice, you know some of ours take a couple of runs to get the hang of things, he's just been very streetwise, so then we um. Then we aimed for, for the Taunton races to, to make sure he had his three runs in time. I mean, I realise it's a one-step-at-a-time thing, but there have been novices who've gone and run well in this race or won this race and then have gone on and run really well in one of the, the novice races at the, at the Cheltenham Festival. Is that, is that in your thinking as well? Yeah, well, he's got he's got an he's got an entry in the in the um, supreme and the um, and the two and a half. So he's he's entered in both. So um, well, certainly, you know, he's he's a nice young horse. He'll have this run and 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 hopefully one or two more afterwards. And um, and that won't be long before we go hurdling. Yeah, before we go chasing. Sorry. <laughs> um, so, do you think chasing next season? I'd imagine so. You know, he jumps for fun. Um, so I'd imagine so. But we'll just we'll just see how it works out this season. You got stacks of runners over the weekend at Newbury and then at Exeter Sunday. Uh, Eldorado Allen will run in the same colours in the in the Denman Chase. Um, do you see him as a horse who can who can be effective over over nearly three miles? Well, we've just slowly stepped him up. You know, he was definitely going to be two and a half miler this year. Um, he's got an entry in the Ryanair, and I just felt that in the Denman, if ever he's going to if he's going to get it, it's a perfect perfect race course to sort of find out. You know, it's as easy right there on good ground as, as anywhere. So um, I just, you know, there's a few question marks about the other horses in the race and we're just, just dipping our toe in, in, in having a having a bit of a go with him. But, you know, he's a horse who's in he's in top form, um, ran really well at Kempton. It's only second and last time. And, um, you know, there's a few question marks about, about some of the others. I mean, he's he's running really well. He's running to a very high level at the moment. He's just slipping half a notch below the below the very best. Do you think there is a bit more you can squeeze out of him? 
Well, whether this trip will just bring a bit more out. If if it doesn't, then we might have to go back down the handicap route. But um, but it's um, you know, I don't think you'll be last on. I don't think you'll be last tomorrow. So um, you know, it's good prize, good enough prize money. We're, we're just gonna just find out whether whether he will get three miles on a flat track. And I see the big breakaways had wind surgery and is reappearing in a hurdle race. Um, is that all we need to know, really? I mean, he's very well handicapped on his best. Yeah, he's won around Newbury as well as a novice. So we're, um, he's, <laughs> Nicky looks, he's, he's a horse that we've always held in high regard. He looks a million dollars. He's, he's had this wind operation. He's, he's been away doing intensive schooling. Um, we just wanted to get a, a spin into him. And then he's entered in in the um, in the Coral handicap chase at Kempton at the end of the month, and but he's fit enough to and and handicap well enough to run to run really well tomorrow. So I'm I'm expecting to expecting to get sort of the wheels back on. Um, had he stood up at Newnab at first time out, it would have been five legs behind Brave Man's game, trying to give him twelve pounds, and it would have been a hell of a run. But um, but the wheels fell off at Sandown Net the next time, and his wind was catching him out. So hopefully we can get back on track tomorrow. Oh, well, Joe, best of luck with all of them. They may not be the most important horses from, from your stable going to Newbury tomorrow because Native River is going to parade on a day that uh, on a day that has served him very well and you in the, in the past. Uh, that's, a, that's lovely for the crowd. Yeah, exactly. Fantastic for, for the crowd. You know, he won three Denman chases. Um, it's actually going to be our sort of last last um, parade with him to be honest we you know we Garth's been kind enough we've kept him everybody at home's had a chance to sit on him and sort of say their goodbyes and and take him for a ride and have a canter on him and whatnot and then um tom malone who bought him was always going to have him for his retirement so we'll take him up there and um was him and alty are parading aren't they and it'll be it'll be lovely for the crowd the horse will love it he'll love every second of it so um he um That'll be nice, and then I think next week Tom's going to have him down there, which which would be nice for Garth and Anne because he's only a mile from from Garth and Anne, so they'll actually they'll actually be able to see more of him than they ever have done in the last eight years. Uh, Joe Tizard there, and I mean, lovely thoughts about Native River, and and good luck to the Tizards with JPR One, who's, who's quite a short price for the for the Betfair Hurdle. Cornelius, big day for them, quite a significant day for lots of prominent southwest based stables. Mm. Uh, look, really looking forward to seeing JPR one. That that team up between the Tizards and Brendan Powell this uh, season has been for me one of the highlights uh, of the season so far. And we know that um, relatively inexperienced horses often go well uh, in the Betfair hurdle. So looking forward to seeing JPR one uh, in action. Talking to a colleague yesterday, we were talking about potential stories to write about, and uh, I said uh, I put up a couple of ideas. And then um, the colleague said to me, yeah, it's all about Nichols. You know, if Nichols goes well, then Nichols is back on track. If Nichols doesn't go so well with his big uh, runners, uh, then uh, he's uh, he continues to be off track. Well, for some reason, and don't ask me why, these things tend to happen in, in little flurries. We've, um, we've spent quite a bit of time this week talking about the way horses are named. And fancy naming two horses after your mother and them both winning on their debuts a day apart. That's exactly what somebody you might know better as, as Mike Grek did, but his, his full style on the race card now is Claudio Michael Grek. Uh, he is of Italian heritage. His mum was Fortunata. And, Mike, this is sort of the stuff of dreams, really. Fortune de Fortunata at Ludlow on um, Tuesday at 25 to 1, and then I am Fortunata yesterday at, 
at three to one. That's uh, that's quite quite some double. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, you know, let's talk about the one at Fortunati Fortunata um, on Wednesday. Um, he came back from a, a very, very um, severe illness. We, we, we almost lost him and, and Donington's uh, did an incredible job. But the irony of, of, of that, that horse was we ran him at Ludlow um, and it was six years to the day that we buried my mum. So it was weird that because I knew it was six years and I saw it at 25 to one and I was expecting, you know, just for him to lob along, never seen a race course before, very, very young horse, come back from a, an, an incredible severe operation and I expected him to be fifth, sixth, seventh and, and, and off we go. Um, but for, for, for him to do what he did... It shocked us all, including David, and we don't know where we go with this horse. So it was it was an amazing it was amazing uh, feeling that was, particularly on 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 the sixth year of my 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 beautiful mum's memorial day. And then yesterday, uh, I am Fortunata. Um, we expected a good run from him, um, but I didn't expect that. I mean, that was that was incredible, incredible. That was a, a very impressive performance in the bumper at Thurless. Had Gordon Elliott been speaking of the horse as a potentially very good one? Yeah, all the time. All the time. It's very buzzy. Um, you know, you could probably see, you know, on the race course yesterday, he had a hood on for, you know, first time. First time they've seen that he's been on the track. But, um, yeah, Gordon's rated this horse from the day he received it. And you're now three winners from your last four runners. The the new stable is is really rolling along, and I, I see you've got a horse. I am Rocco about to be unleashed. Yeah, um, I've called I am Rocco off after my son Rocco, who's uh, a great British gymnast. He's 14 years old and he's represented GB since the since since he was eight. So uh, that runs at Warwick, but unfortunately, I'm going to be at Newbury to watch Galley Hill in the in the first at Newbury on Saturday. Are we keeping the faith with Galley Hill? 100%. Listen, you know, he's, he's, he's got a wind issue. Uh, that, that, that's it, you know, uh, and I'm hoping that he had a hob day after Aintree um, because, you know, he couldn't breathe. That's why he was almost, I felt as though somebody shot him uh, when he came round the bend at Aintree in, in April. Um and then he, he had a hob day, you know, and then he ran at Exeter. And again, there was a wind issue there. Um, they then decided to cauterize his palate, which I'm, I'm still confused about, because if you've got, if you if you put in a horse uh, through the operation and giving it a hob day, well, why don't you do the palate as well? So I was a little bit miffed about that because it just didn't make sense to me. Um, so he ran at Exeter cruising. Um and then cut out again. And then at Doncaster, you know, we thought, right, okay, you know, he's, do, he's doing some great work at home. You know, this will tell us down at the first. So I think the horse has been incredibly uh, unlucky. And I know Nicky Henderson really, really rates this horse. Now, when Nicky talks to me about Galley Hill, I sit up and take and listen because... You know, you're talking about an absolute legend who knows his horses, and and he thinks this is a this is a very 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 good horse. So we'll see. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. It's uh, you know, it's baptism of fire. I mean, going against Brave Man's Game. You know, you know, I'm 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 very very apprehensive about that. 
uh, in fairness. But uh, he's got it. You know, he's a good horse. He costs a lot of money, mm. uh, and he's and he's and he's working very very well um, at Seven Barrow. So. Let's just see how good he is, and hopefully his uh, his wind uh, holds up, and, and he gives a good performance, and, and he comes back safe and sound, and then we can all look at each other and go, okay, we got we 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 can go somewhere now. And the, the black. Sorry, at this moment in time, you know, it's just his wind, Nick. It's just, it's just that that that's all. It, that's what it is. Not all it is. That's what it is. And and the the black and pink silks are having a great run of things at the moment, um, Mike. And your your late mother would be very happy that you're now styling yourself fully as you should with your full Italian name on the race card. Oh, one hundred percent. She used to be very very cross with me uh, when anyone used to call me Mike because my middle name's Michele. So you know, in, in, in English translation, it's Mike. Um, but if anyone called me Mike, she she. Uh, she wasn't what she wasn't happy she always used to say claudio your name's claudio not not mike <laughs> so um so when i've gone you know when i went on my own um you know i decided to 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 you know go the full name and and i know that would would make her proud and and put a smile on her face well mike claudio congratulations <laughs> thanks very much nick great to talk to you pal now, from a little bit of Italy to a lot of America, and the Eclipse Awards were held last night at Santa Anita Park in California, honouring all the best of American racing through the last 12 months. Horse of the Year, as expected, was Nick's Go. Trainer of the Year was Brad Cox. Jockey of the Year, Joel Rosario. And Apprentice Jockey of the Year, the groundbreaking Jessica Pfeiffer. No great surprises there. Essential Quality took home uh, the slightly more contentious three-year-old Colt Award by some margin from the sadly no longer with us Medina Spirit. And Echo Zulu, again, no surprises, took home leading juvenile filly. Earlier in the week, I spoke to her trainer, Steve Asmussen, and put it to him that she might take on the Colts in Triple Crown races this year. This is what he had to say. She is Triple Crown nominated, and she actually had her first time to work out this morning. And she is as pretty as a picture. And the, the break she received, she's stronger, filled out, and... Couldn't couldn't be happier with how she's coming back. When you um, when you nominate a filly to to the Colts Triple Crown or the or or, or the Derby Trail, do you do that with intent, or, or are you just keeping your options open? It's, it's the option. And um, when you're coming off of a freshening like she has, um, you're you know from this far out, it is to keep your options open. What will determine what you do is you know being blessed with extremely talented options like epicenter and those who are owned by winchell as well who are obviously in the mix and a point getter point carriers as it is she has the opportunity to work with them if you're if you're handling or dominating who else the alternative of who you would run it becomes an easy decision it is friday which means it's time to take stock of the global thoroughbred rankings with thoroughbred racing commentary james willoughby is alongside me and today james we're going to look specifically at the key spring races the saudi cup with a view then to the dubai world cup how these races might be impacting upon the rest of the season in europe asia and north america and how that might shake up the whole rankings picture and i, I thought I, I would just give you the list of likely starters in the first of these big staging posts, the, the world's richest horse race 
the Saudi Cup. So we've got the defending champ Mishrif, the champion stakes winner Seeleyway, Mandaloon, who will probably end up being the Kentucky Derby winner when they finally get round to demoting Medina Spirit, T.O. Keynes, the Japanese dirt horse of the year, Marsh Lorraine, the Breeders' Cup Distaff winner for Japan. Midnight Bourbon, probably the unluckiest horse in training. Very solid US performer, Art Collector, Real World, the Hunt Cup winner who went on and on and on and on and still is going on for Saeed Bin Sura, making miracles. Used to be pedestrian for Mark Johnston, now flying in Saudi Arabia. Aero Trem, Happy Saver, Country Grammar might get a run. Secret Ambition and Emblem Road. That looks like the field for the Saudi Cup at this stage. James, what do you make of it? Well, when I was growing up about in horse racing about 25, 30 years ago, all we had really was the Arc de Triomphe and the Breeders' Cup. And from there, races like the Japan Cup became more part of our racing consciousness. We are so, so lucky nowadays that if you're a flat racing fan, you have this panoply of absolute delights. And this Saudi Cup is shaping up into one of the best I remember it has got such strength in depth. The names you've just reeled out, some absolute Galacticos or potential Galacticos as well, which is important. These are uh, horses that are going forward, not just stars like Mistriff looking for a last payday, but horses really still progressing. Now, he is a perfect departure point for, for this exercise because he's been in and around the top 10 he slid out of it, but at his peak last year, we were asking, is this the best horse in the world? And he was sort of flirting with the idea of, of being number one for a while. What can we expect of him now, do you think? It's a really difficult question, isn't it? Because victory for Mishrif would make him the all-time leading earner. But I don't know about you, but he's not really a horse or never has been a horse that's quickened the pulse. He's very, very good. He's a sturdy game and genuine top class horse no doubt about that whatsoever but he lacks that electric ability that really excites you and although I wish him and his connections nothing but the best and certainly Prince Faisal is a, a highly enthusiastic uh, character and really knows his bloodlines incredibly well and I always support owner breeders of of that type but still part of me wants an up-and-coming horse to absolutely floor this Mishrif and put him in his place because I just don't like the idea of him being the all-time leading horse in terms of prize money won. Okay, so who is the most likely candidate? And I I sort of sometimes set this race up or these races yeah. up wrongly as Euro-American clashes, which is fine and fun, but actually it's three-way, isn't it? It's Euro-American-Japanese now because we've got T.O. Keynes or Keynes and, uh, and Marshall Lorraine in the race. Well, let's talk about the... Japanese contender, Tio Keens, um, which will be slightly less familiar than some for your listeners. Well, he won Japan's most important dirt race, which is the Champions Cup at Chukyo, and he did it really well. And when I tell you that he beat Chua Wizard, who you should have heard of by six lengths, not you, but others should have heard of by six lengths. Chua Wizard, of course, second in the Dubai World Cup. So some very solid form there. And Tio Keens is a horse that's progressing well. Looking at him and watching the videos and doing the figures on him, I'm, I'm still to be convinced that he's an absolute world champion in the making. And I use that phrase not lightly here because the stage is set for a performance of real merit uh, from a horse winning this particular race. The horse that excites me the most, yes, Mandaloon could easily turn out to be one of those really good horses and Midnight Bourbon, I think he, I agree with Steve Asmussen, I think he's a contender to be 
the top horse this year. His form is very solid. He's only won one race from eight graded tries, so you can't take him seriously yet uh, at the top of the shop. But this real world is the horse that really quickens my pulse. And this is the reason I say it. As a keen student of racing in Dubai over the years, I cannot tell you how many times I've successfully plundered dirt racers there as a punter Horses trained by Saeed Bin Sarraw. I always take on Appleby horses on dirt and support Sarraw horses. And real world has got a lot of the characteristics that you look for in a real top notcher. He's got electric pace. He travels incredibly strongly. He's improving with every race. He's made it to world number 31 already. And I think there's plenty more to come as well. And I think it would be great for the game if he could announce himself one of the new global stars. So, James, just, just spin me through where we stand with some of these horses in our rankings at the moment. Yeah, so Mishriff is at 14. Now, that's a lot lower than traditional handicapping methods would lead you because he's been defeated too many times for the rankings' likings. Now, the, the traditional way to appraise a horse is by its best effort. Go back to the international stakes at York last year and you see a world-class effort in terms of form but Mishriff hasn't backed it up on other occasions and he did beat inferiors on that occasion and that's why he stands at only number 14. Now further down the rankings Mandaloon at 30 is a horse that's getting better and better for uh, the John Monty Farms operation and it wouldn't surprise me if he improved again. Just below him is Real World at 31. Then Art Collector solid as you've already said in the intro unspectacular Tio Keen sets at 83. The rankings don't like March Lorraine, and the rankings have a real serious problem with the champion stakes winner Seal Away. Now, for those that haven't listened to this segment before, TRC Global Rankings, available each week at thoroughbredracing.com, appraise horses on the portfolio of their efforts. And for that reason, they need depth as well as just strength in terms of a horse's form. Mm. And Seelyway, who has won two top-notch races, two Group 1 races, the rankings, the TRC computer uh, race ratings that power the rankings, have got the champion stakes at 121, and he's second in the jockey club at 120. That doesn't make him the type of horse that others think that he is. Uh, For that reason, he sits at 50. But, but... Who trains Sealyway now? He's just moved to the master trainer, Francis Graffard, who is enthusing about his prospects in the Saudi Cup. So are we set for a major upswing? Right. Well, it's interesting because, of course, you asked me on the pod at the end of last year to name mm-hmm. four or five trainers who, uh, let's call them youthful in terms of uh, the profile of most trainers. And Francis-Henri Graffard was one of the ones I tabbed straight away as being one of the, the most progressive the most talented, the most thoughtful amongst the, 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 the new echelon of trainers making their work. He's a, a man who really impresses me in the way he places his horses, the way he thinks about them. And um, it wouldn't surprise me if, if, if you're right, if Sealaway could take another step up. We can't take that into account right now, of course. But if Sealaway did take his form to a new level, then the rankings would have no problem in giving credit for that. Okay, so that's a little bit of a setup for the Saudi Cup. Mishriff and Sealyway and Co. and sort of real world for Europe, if you're counting real world as a European and not a Dubai-based horse. Yeah. Don't forget, real world's likely to be ridden by Frankie Dottori as well. Then you've got your Mandaloons and Midnight Bourbons and Happy Savers and Co. for, 
for the US and then Numash Lorraine's and Tio Keen's for, for Japan. That's your, that's your sort of main three-way intercontinental clash. Now cast your mind forward to the Dubai World Cup and lying in wait for the winner of the Saudi Cup, whoever that might be, is not only Hot Rod Charlie, who was sparkling in Dubai last week under William Buick, but also potentially, although it's not confirmed yet, world number one in the rankings, Pegasus winner, Life is Good. So you could have Hot Rod Charlie, Life is Good, Mandaloon, all in the Dubai World Cup, possibly Midnight Bourbon as well. Now that is going to be one hell of a race. Now, without getting too carried away with the predictive power of the rankings, I'd have to say that we've been well ahead of the game with this Hot Rod Charlie for a long time now. And he's as high as world number 11 at the moment. And he seems to me, I was looking at it the other day thinking, he's poised that if he wins the Dubai World Cup, he becomes a proper contender to be a world number one later in the year. He won the round two of the Al Maktoum Challenge. They've thrown the gauntlet down again this year. Grade two it is, but a strong, strong performance from him. 122. But this is a horse whose card is festooned with some top efforts. The Pennsylvania Derby, the Haskell Stakes, of course, the Belmont in which he he all but won after setting an absolutely furious pace uh, in that. And he is a very interesting horse to take top honours in Dubai. But we've got to remember from a handicapping perspective, the Saudi Cup and the Dubai World Cup, they're both dirt racers. But they're not really the same thing, are they? It's a much more friendly environment for turf horses, uh, the Saudi surface. And then we see maybe Maydan more of a proper sort of American style dirt test. And so for that reason, life is good if he did roll up would be very much the one to be. And he sits on top of the rankings again very quickly for those following uh, the figures on thoroughbredracing.com. Euphoria, the Japanese horse, has moved up from two to five. And the reason for that, well, he stands in his box, is his form is working out tremendously well. It got another boost last week. And he's a a horse that will make this life is good, have to win races like the Dubai World Cup to stay on top of the pile. We are in store for two real treats. The uh, Saudi Cup and its undercard on the 26th of Feb. And then a month later, it all rolls on to Dubai. And this little period of of early spring racing looks as though it could have much more significant implications james than is than is often the case yeah it's going to carry us into the really into the kentucky derby trail and from thence to all the delights of the european season and the american season and don't forget australia as well this is going to be a big big year for australian horses they're going to be shipped up to the northern hemisphere they're getting stronger and stronger and stronger expect big things from the horses down under as well on, on that note, James, James McDonald, TRC number one jockey, rides home affairs in preference right. to Nature Strip in the Lightning Stakes. What do you make of that? It's a contractual thing, I believe. There, it's uh, he, he has an arrangement with uh, Coolmore. I thought it was really Australian the way that connections of Nature Strip said James has got his own obligations to to something else. We, we might have ours. They said. You couldn't imagine that happening up here. You couldn't imagine such sort of fighting talk for the kick. And that shows the degree to which this nature strip is really riding a high in terms of form. He has won eight Group 1 races down under. Only one horse in the top 20 in the world has won more, and that's very elegant. Who, incidentally, Nick, your listeners need to be aware, 
makes her or is due to make her seasonal reappearance on Saturday with trainer Chris Waller saying that she's just a shade short of, uh, of a gallop. But that will really set her up for some great efforts this year, which we're hoping will include a trip up mm-hmm. to this part of the world. And while we're at it, James, the niche, Annabelle Nisham, she, yeah. she had a public workout the other day, not just with Zaki, one of our favourites in the in the TRC top-ranked <laughs> tortoise, but the appropriately named top-ranked, formerly top-rank, when with James Tate, now top-ranked with Annabelle Nisham. The name's been changed in Australia. He looks in fantastic order. He's my tip to be climbing these rankings in the next few months. Well, maybe James Tate will be looking at the what happened with Zaki and, uh, and wondering <laughs> where top rank. He was a very talented horse with an absolute ton of physical scope uh, when James marshaled his efforts. Goodness knows what uh, Annabelle can, can get out of him. Zaki was a, was a very good horse that Sir Michael Stout had some very good uh, form out of, but this top rank to me didn't quite ever reach his full potential up here. But as you say, if one person is going to get some big efforts out of him, take him to a new level, it has to be the niche. Well, thanks to James and Joe and all my guests today. Uh, Cornelius is still with me. Cornelius, before I get a tip from you, um, uh, w- there seems a, 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 a general obsession with, with getting uh, horse racing onto, onto streaming services at the moment. And, and frankly, you know, why wouldn't there be? Um, but streaming services apparently are in talks to air the series that's already been made about Andrew Balding, who had such a wonderful season last year, and the, the multiple champion jockey, Asheen Murphy, who is somewhat in the wires at the moment and has relinquished his licence. Now, this has already been made through through last year. I'm, I'm guessing that the next series is going to be the interesting <laughs> one, isn't it? I've just suddenly, suddenly realised what, 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 what you were getting at there. Uh, clearly, uh, it's something that's been talked about for some time, and um, there, there were um, plenty of opportunities to see Oshin Murphy and Andrew Balding, and Mrs. Andrew Balding, Annalisa Balding. Apparently, she's something of a star of this show as well, uh, being being filmed. Uh, Oshin Murphy is said to talk candidly about some of his uh, issues, but this was filmed before the the, the, the biggest issues, I suppose, uh, that have been spoken about much on this podcast and elsewhere. So, yeah, um, I don't know what – is, is there a working title to it? I don't think I've seen a working title. Have you seen that? Uh, uh, I, I, ha- I haven't seen it. Um, so Kingsclear, Kingsclear dash Balding dash Murphy one, uh, I'm sure will be terrific. Kingsclear dash Balding dash Murphy two. Goodness, if um, that were to happen. Of course, it's sort of prompted to remind us what is actually going to happen with the Sheen Murphy, and is his, is his case going to come up at the BHA at some point? And yeah, all those questions and more will be answered. Uh, but uh, yeah, we do. We, well, clearly, not only Sheen Murphy himself and the owners and trainers uh, who support him, uh, but also the the legion of uh, fans he has uh, on race courses and uh, following him closely from from afar. Mm. Everyone will want to know what the score is. So, uh, yeah, that will be another one in the BHA's uh, inbox in the not-too-distant future. Anyway, before I get into any more speculative trouble, can I just give you a speculative tip? Yes, of course you can give me a tip. Right, Bangor on D. Bangor is coid, as they call it in those parts. Bangor on D uh, in North Wales. Uh, really interesting horse in action. I'm not going to tip it. Interesting horse in action. The, the reigning Cheltenham Hunters uh, title holder, Paulot Bay, is due in action there and uh, comes to uh, the races off the back of a defeat last time. Is odds on favourite for a hunter uh, chase at Bangor. But my tip in the 4.15, number two, Duke of Rockingham, trained by Ollie Murphy, uh, the man of Aidan Coleman, a nine-length bumper winner at Utoxeter in the autumn, beaten a couple of times uh, since. 
tongue strap applied today. People say you're mad to go against a Donald McCain hot pot, but the hot pot must concede ten pounds, and the Ollie Murphy Aiden Coleman axis is going well. So number two, Duke of Rockingham in the four fifteen at Bangor is he coined? All right, Cornelius, thanks so much. Thank you very much for listening. That was Friday, February the 11th. Don't forget that if you do enjoy this podcast, please give us a rating and review us on all available sites and make sure you tell your friends. Uh, Charlotte will be back tonight with the Saturday edition and I'll be back on Monday or maybe Tom will be back on Monday, in fact, as it's uh, Valentine's Day and he cares less about that than (laughs) I do. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.